Psalm 32. I'll read the first four verses. A Psalm of David, a contemplation. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our ears and our minds that we would hear and understand. And also, Father, that you would affect our wills, that we would want to be changed, conformed into the image of your Son, that we would be conformed into his conduct. We thank you for your blessings in his name. Amen. I'll recap. We're on verse 4 today, but I'll recap fairly simply. In verses 1 and 2, we talked about how being forgiven by God is the greatest possible blessing you can have and experience on this earth. I just read uh, Moon River, an autobiography of uh, Andy Williams, and I didn't know he was born in Iowa. He's from a small town northwest of uh, Des Moines called Wall Lake in Sac County. And when he was a boy, he and his four brothers would sing in the choir. Actually, their family was the choir, uh, mother, father, and the four sons. And uh, when he was, I think, eight years old, they moved to Des Moines to extend their career. And then he goes on, of course, throughout his autobiography to talk about all of these many blessings that he's received in his life. And now he's like, uh, well, I guess he'd be, what, 84 years old right now. And for the last 20 years, he's had his own show down in Branson, had a new facility built and has shows there every night. And yet, as I listen to this book and I hear no talk of God where in the church that he got his start uh, singing in a choir, blessings are not blessings for many of these people. Uh, Even Christians are led astray by the blessings of this world. And people that attain celebrity often abandon God if they ever knew God. And so the blessing that we have as children of God, the forgiveness that he gives, is by far greater than any fame or uh, wealth or power that you might attain on this earth. So now, the next week, we talked about this verse 3, and this is where uh, David ties together the deceit that he references at the end of verse 2 with verse 3. He was hiding his sin, attempting to, from God. Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he was caught up in evil. Lust for Bathsheba, adultery with Bathsheba, deception in trying to fool her husband into believing the child was his own. When that didn't work, when the man had too much integrity, he kills him. And even after this, he thinks himself a pretty godly man. And he has the audacity when Nathan confronts him with this story of the man that is taking the ewe lamb, he is all outraged, morally outraged. And then Nathan points at him and says, you are the man. Only then did David finally acknowledge the sin that he'd been trying to hide from himself and everybody for almost a year. So see, that is how deceitful sin is. It eats away at us. It gnaws away at our character to where it's called this rot in your bones. So then we come to verse 4, and let me reread that. For day and night, I'll start with verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, 
for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And so you see the connection word for. And so God's hand was heavy upon him. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. He was groaning because of the weight of God's hand upon him. And see, this is blessing. See, this is where we often get confused. When God's heavy hand is upon us, we just think, oh, could he just let me alone? Could he just get his hand off me? But no, his heavy hand upon you is for your good. See, God refuses to allow us to wallow in our sins. We think we can gain pleasure for a season from our sin. And God guarantees that if you're his child, he will take that pleasure away. What you thought was going to be pleasurable is not. And the pain from sin gets worse and worse the more you commit yourself to it. In Ephesians 2, we're all familiar with this, and I think many of you have maybe even memorized it. Ephesians 2, verses uh, 8 and 9. But there is another verse. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, God is our manufacturer. And when we sin, we violate his warranty. And he owns us. He is the maker. He knows what will and won't work in our lives. And he holds us accountable for that. Sin, as a Christian, will not work for you. It will not work for me. And so to the degree that we will not give it up because we want to preserve it in our lives, we will experience pain. The opposite of pleasure. We Christians gain no true pleasure from sin. And you'd think that we would know that, but we just have to be reminded of it over and over again. The second part of verse 4 there says, My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Now, we know what a summer drought is like. We're in the middle of one, a pretty bad one, actually. Uh, and yesterday morning when we were, I was passing out flyers, uh, it was hot. And so I'm walking along, and I'm getting hot, and I kept, I think, boy, I need a towel. I kept trying to dry myself with my T-shirt, and my sunglasses suddenly are all collecting sweat, and it kept getting in my eyes and burning me. But the instant I thought about that, I thought, well, you know, if I'd been doing this a couple weeks ago, it would have been horrendous. It was 15 degrees hotter uh, a couple weeks ago. And so I thought, this is a blessing. And frankly, if I weighed 30 pounds less, it wouldn't be nearly as hard on me. <laughs> and so I was just thinking that when a few doors up, I met a man. And, and he was hosting a block party that day, yesterday. He had walked the neighborhood a few weeks earlier and distributed 1,000 flyers. I mean, this guy takes his block party seriously. And none of the neighborhood kids would help him. They helped him last year, but this year they're like, you're crazy. I'm not walking in this heat. So he did it all himself, whereas I had, you know, like 10 helpers. So it was a blessing. And yet, even then you experience this heat. And are you familiar with the word enervate? It's not a word that we hear every day in conversation. And yet it is the opposite of invigorate. That word we kind of understand intuitively. To, inv to be invigorated is to be refreshed to feel strong, to feel capable. Enervate is the opposite. And so that's, what's, that's what David is saying here. 
that his vitality is sucked away by God when he is hiding this sin, and it's like the drought of summer. So the more you hide your sin, the less vital you will feel. And we know this through experience. So God is the one that gives our bodies life and health. We think we can control it through food and proper diet and exercise and all that. And to a great extent, God has allowed for that. But let me share a story with you. I knew a man 25 years ago. I worked in the same building with him. And I didn't work with him, but yet it was a building of only like 40 people. And so I was walking up the stairs one day. And it's just a stairs. It had one and then a landing and then another. And he's pausing at the landing. Now, he's a little overweight, but not that much. And I said, what's wrong? And he just kind of, you know, this is just hard. I'm winded. Well, about two or three weeks later, I heard through someone else that he was diagnosed with leukemia. And then I ran into him again, like very quickly, like within that week. And I said, I'm sorry, I heard about what's happening. And I said, how's it going? And he said, you know, he said, I was diagnosed and they're treating me. And he said, I'm feeling much better. But then two weeks later, I heard that he died. So see, your vitality is not your vitality. It's God's vitality. And he gives it and he takes it away at his pleasure. And so we are in borrowed bodies. These are not your bodies. They're God's bodies. And he gives you strength. He takes that strength. And this, what David is sharing, says it's all his. And the more that we as Christians want to persist in sin, God will suck away that vitality. It's not yours. You presume upon it. So now, this brings me to the last point, and that is that when we sin, some of us think that the sin is the biggest part that's bad. What we're doing bad, oh, it's horrible, it's horrific. And so we think, okay, I really want to be rid of this sin, and so I'm going to stop doing that sin from now forward. But I really still feel this guilt of sin, and so I really can't go, the things that, go do the things that I should be doing. And so I'm going to put myself in the penalty box. I'm going to have to spend some time in this penalty box before I can really serve God because God doesn't want someone that's just coming fresh out of this sin. See, that is what Satan wants. He wants you either sinning or in the penalty box for having sinned. So see, it's not the sins of commission that are the worst sins that we commit. It's the sins of omission. Remember what I read in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. To the degree that you're not doing good works because of sin or you're alienating yourself from God, you're serving time in your penalty box, you are not doing what God made you to do. So see, when we sin, we must immediately repent and turn to God and seek to do deeds of righteousness. Not to earn God's favor, we have God's favor, but to rejoice in his forgiveness, to do what it is that he put us on the earth to do. So that's what I encourage you to do. When we come to the table, we're celebrating the fact that there is no penalty box. We're not in a hockey game here. You don't have a certain amount of time after sinning that you have to spend apart from God. That you spend any time apart from God is wrong. So regardless of the depth of your sin, repent of it. Turn to Christ. Seek to be used by him. Give yourself to his church and to others. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we do not want to be like the horse, like the mule, that must be bridled and controlled and and whipped at times. 
to get to do anything successful, anything helpful. Father, we pray, make us willing servants. Uh, we ask you, Lord, to absolve us of sin, to cleanse it from our minds and hearts, and that as often as we indulge in it, to flee from it, to uh, remove it far from us, we ask you to do this, Father, uh, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.